Yearnings, uh, lessons we learn in life. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the 42nd episode of the Journeying podcast and my sixth solo cast. Hope everyone is doing well on this day, the summer solstice. And I must share a strange little coincidence here with you today. And I have spoken about coincid- coincidences here before, but still they never cease to take me by surprise. So here we go. I sat down this morning to write my morning pages in my artist's way journal before hitting into the day and recording this podcast. And I'd uncharacteristically decided to put this podcast out on Monday evening, this evening instead of my clockwork Monday morning release time. And I made this decision as I knew I would be distracted yesterday on Father's Day with doing this task rather than just making the most of a sunny Sunday with family. So I uh, uncharacteristically again let myself off the hook and instead had a lovely restful day with family at the beach, sea swimming, we had a picnic, brought the kids along to watch their daddy play his football match and finished off the day with a lovely Sunday roast dinner. And it was really, it was really lovely relaxing day uh, probably the most relaxing I've had it in a long time and it was weird I was actually I kept having flashbacks to our summer holiday in well we'll eliminate 2020 so back in 2019 um, when we could go on holidays abroad and we'd gone to France and it was like somewhere in my body or mind I'm not sure which it was recalling the sense of relaxation and disconnect experienced on that holiday. So the body was remembering the sensa- sensation, not the memory of the actual holiday, because I spent the day yesterday by the sea and we were actually inland for the holiday. So it wasn't like that it was like, like reminding me of that. But I think the recall, I believe, was more coming from the memory of being relaxed in the sun and not having any other commitments or distractions. And I was fully present there yesterday and I was so glad I didn't ruin the day with heading off to sit in front of a laptop instead just to stick to my draconian rule of a morning release time. Anyway back to the coincidence I was writing my morning pages and as I've mentioned here before I aim for three pages that's the artist's way to aim for three pages the first page and a half is generally random drivel recalling you know various events or thoughts And almost with scientific precision, by the middle of the second page, your writing arrives at where your mind really wants to take you. So you don't know what you're going to write. And sure enough, it hit me. I had enjoyed the sense of disconnect and relaxation so much yesterday that I wanted to take a break from major commitments. This is what I started to write on the page, including the routine of podcasting. And I didn't know I was going to write this. I didn't know consciously that I was thinking that um so that was really interesting but when once I wrote it and seen it written on paper it made perfect sense to take a break but what was even more shocking to me was the time and date which was today 21st of June the summer solstice and for those of you who listen in regularly you may recall or not, given that I didn't until it hit me in the face when I was doing my writing. It was exactly on the winter solstice, the 21st of December last year, 
when I arrived at a similar conclusion. I wanted a break from routine. And here I am, exactly six months to the, to the day, arriving at a similar conclusion. But it wasn't a conscious decision, it emerged through the writing. It took putting it on paper to help me realise what my subconscious was telling me to do. There is something on a subconscious level telling me that I've reached a point on this side of the year or season to do as I did before, take a break. But instead of the human hibernation that I desired in winter, I want to use this time to get out into the light, nature and hopefully lots of sunshine and so much more of that creative relaxation. So that is my plan for the next few weeks. And in keeping with relaxing and falling into this probably state of realising I want to take a break, um, I actually read a fiction book last weekend and it occurred to me that I had been constantly consuming more educational, academic information, facts and theories for so long that I couldn't even remember the last time I'd read just for simple enjoyment and escapism. So a few weeks ago, a friend of mine gifted me Louise Louise Nealon's new book, Snowflake, and I was delighted as I'd been meaning to buy it myself. I'd seen it um, in some of the shop fronts and I'd heard about it and I wanted to get it. When I started into it, I couldn't put it down. It was so magical just to enter a fictitious world and get totally absorbed in the characters and the storyline. And uh, I camped outside at the garden um, in a camp chair and bizarrely, no one disturbed me for the entire day. Um, I don't know what it was. It was obviously they were respecting my my need to disconnect. Um, and I almost finished the book in one day. Again, I don't know when I've had the time to just do that and one, just take one day off and read a book. And I was nodding off at 1am trying to read the last chapter, but conceded I was ruining the ending by doing this. So I finished it the next morning and it was a wonderful read. And it really transported me back to my own college days. And maybe that's why I'm in this kind of, a lot of my ideas are kind of going back in time a little bit. Um, maybe it's from going into the world of the of the story. Um, and I'm, uh, it, it, yeah, it was reminding me of my own college days and remembering like the challenges of meeting new friends from such varying backgrounds and families. So that's one of the themes in in the storyline of Snowflake. And, you know, all of us integrating our former smaller lives into our widening world and new life perspectives. And it, it it's it is daunting. But we, we had to push ourselves outside of our comfort zone and just do something and just make conversation. There wasn't much alternative for those uh, who who recall starting college in the 90s. So we didn't have the distraction of a whole network of alternative communication channels in our palms, in our hands. There was no mobile phones when I started college. Well, there was uh, the yuppie brick but very few 17 or 18 year olds had access to that. And even those that had one Sure, all you could do was make extremely expensive phone calls. That was pretty much it. There was no text messaging 
um, that came out a couple of years later on the phones and let alone, you know, internet connections, Wi-Fi and access to social media just <laughs> didn't have it. So we were forced to live, I suppose, in the present with the people in front of us at the, any given time. Like some of the lads would buy a newspaper and maybe feign interest in the sports pages and maybe that was their way of dealing with the awkwardness. But for the most part, you just had to dig deep and try to make an effort. And little did we know we were forging very important communication skills from day one. You know, all that making small talk, creating human connections, finding common interests, forging friendships and building our networks. Um, you know, these are all skills that I suspect may be at risk of becoming a dying art. Like do first year students maybe, for example, make as much effort to talk and communicate with their new circles of classmates when they have their phones with their home friends right there in their pocket through their social networks? It's so much easier, more familiar and less challenging to just stick to what you know, cling to the mobile and the click that you've grown up with why would you bother putting yourself out of your comfort zone if you don't have to you just stick your head in the phone look preoccupied and stay distracted from the present environment and we're all so often guilty of this being you know physically in one environment but really our energies thoughts and focus are an entirely different place in cyberspace and another dying art, I was just thinking as I was kind of maybe going down memory lane of, of a different era. Um, so another dying art is the art of making a plan to meet someone and stick to it. <laughs> so what do I mean by that? Um, OK, so I have lately been making a conscious effort to listen to more music rather than solely absorbing chat on podcasts so I've been diving back into the 90s music archives listening to random classics that I loved as a teenager I was a devoted Cranberries fan and devoted in the 90s meant you had maybe the CD maybe a poster there was not much other means of expressing your fandom I suppose a t-shirt would have been a level up I never had a t-shirt anyway they were my go-to 90s band, the Cranberries, along with Oasis, No Doubt, that's Gwen Stefani these days, um, R.E.M., Counting Crows and The Prodigy. They were probably some of my main bands that I, I loved as a teenager. So as I've been re-listening to these classics, I realise I can pretty much sing along to every single verse well over 20 years later. And I laughed at how they are just there, imprinted in the recesses of my brain and triggered as soon as the music starts. I'm like Pavlov's little dog. Music starts and the words come spilling out on cue. And then I remembered how this is so. It most definitely connects back to the act of making a plan to meet someone and sticking to it. So hear me out. OK, so you bring a friend back in the 90s on the house telephone and you say you're going to meet them at 7 p.m. outside Clark's newsagents on the main street in Swords. So note 
You say a specific time and you say a specific place and you say a specific location. And when both parties agree, then it is written in stone. This is not a mere suggestion or a plan B if nothing more interesting pops up and I just get to text my buddy and say, Sauce, can't make it, love you, X. <laughs> no, 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 no. In the 90s, when you called your friend on the house phone and said you were meeting them, this was happening come hell or high water. So you set off on your trek to the village, armed for company with, yes, your disc man and your one choice of music CD. And you were delighted with life to be out, just you and Dolores hitting off down the town, giddy with the prospect of who you might see on your outing. Because, well, if you didn't catch a glimpse of whoever you fancied on that trip down the town, well, that was it. There was no way to stalk them through Instagram or TikTok or whatever socially acceptable way it is to stalk via the World Wide Web. Nope, it was all done in real time with real people in real geophysical spaces. So you're all excited, you know, of what of what might happen. So anyway, you hit you hit the main street, reach Clark's. That's midway down the street. That's centre now for those not familiar with the old Swords Village references. And then you stop. You stop, you stand and you wait and you listen to your disc man, which was probably played, probably played the entire album close to twice now. And you wait. There is nothing else to do. There is no messaging to ask if your mate is running late or her dad's caught her going out the door before her homework's done or she's just got stung for babysitting. Any one of these things could have happened, but no matter. You must stay at the spot where you said you'd meet and just wait. And your friend will get there somehow, sometime. She has to. And in the meantime, you hope your disman's batteries don't waste and you listen to Linger for the seventh time. And without realising it, you are nurturing a valuable life skill. Standing in the one place, practising patience, almost entering a state of mindfulness, one might say if one knew what that was in the 90s and you had blind faith that your friend would not let you down. This faith may lapse slightly if you are willing to sacrifice your 20p that you had to play Tetris in the pool hall to call her from the payphone to get an ETA. And here, yet another dying art, lost to the decade of my teens, the art of knowing a bloody phone number off by heart. So yes, this is how over 20 years later, I can sing along verbatim to songs I'd forgotten existed. A different era where infinite choice at the swipe of a screen was the stuff of science fiction. Now, I'm not saying my recollection of every song on the Romeo and Juliet soundtrack CD outtrumps Spotify's limitless playlists. But I do wonder if the many moments of stillness, patient waiting, may have served a useful purpose. We didn't have as many opportunities to distract us from the physical time and space we were in. Perhaps we were more fully present in the nothingness. And maybe that is something we all must instead make a conscious effort to do now. Fitting quiet spaces in through our yoga practice and mindfulness retreats and locking phones away from ourselves in padlocked sin bins because we are addicted to the distraction. 
and connecting to the idea of a distracted society. I recently came across the work of Daniel Schmachtenberger and the Consilience Project. I'm intrigued and intend to follow their research more closely over the summer, but to give a brief overview taken from their website, the aim of the five-year project is to help catalyze a cultural enlightenment that will develop a new set of shared values and capacities adequate to the needs of our time. As someone who's been working in the educational space in different capacities for over 17 years, I do question how we do education. My own understanding or perception of what knowledge is has evolved a lot over this time. But I have always challenged rote learning, most likely instigated by my not being good at it. But I I did. I always resented the idea of fellow students regurgitating information onto a page for the purpose of achieving a grade with no one having much regard whether that said student had any depth of understanding about the information on the page. Like when I was doing the leave insert, I had friends who admitted they had a photographic memory and didn't remember a word of what was on their exam scripts by the next day. Least of all, did they care whether the passionate love between Heathcliff and Cathy was dizzyingly romantic or desperately destructive? They, like many others, were playing the strategy game, armed with Leeson Street's grind notes and transcribed exactly what the tutors told them to write. Their advantage was their short-term memory recall. My disadvantage was that I cared and wanted to consider alternative viewpoints. I adored Wuthering Heights and felt so privileged to have the opportunity to study it in depth. I'd read it twice before I'd even started the Leaving Cert course. And I loved discussing and debating the themes within the book. I really did. And I also I enjoyed identifying possible themes in the infamous poetry book, Soundings. Um, for the Irish listeners there, Soundings, I'm sure, will bring back me- memories. But again, another big mistake on my part. I, I didn't get at the time that sharing my own ideas and interpretations was not of interest to the examiner. They wanted me to learn off the poem and learn off designated themes of each and feed it back to them. And they would give me good marks for making their life easy, tick the box she knows what we told her to know, and lower marks if what you've written is at odds with what is laid out on their mark sheet. Were marks assigned to alternative but plausible viewpoints? Challenges to prescribed themes? I don't think they were. And this is problematic. We're still operating on an outdated education system in 2021. So the Consilience Project's recognition of an education crisis, coupled with the hopeful proposal of an educational renaissance, is intriguing to me. I hope to pick this up again later in the summer when I come back from my summer break, revived, revitalised and inspired. Until then, I wish you all a wonderful summer solstice.